Well, good morning. Happy Father's Day. So glad we've got a lot of fathers here. And it's a very special day. And actually, Mother's Day came first, I found out. And so Father's Day came second. So, but I'm glad we're here today. And it's actually my first holiday sermon. I've never got to preach on a holiday before. So this is kind of exciting for me. And it's Father's Day, and that's also my first Father's Day sermon. So this is going to be kind of fun. So I want to invite you to take your Bible and open to 1 Samuel chapter 15. It's page 194 in the Pew Bibles. And you might think reading this, we're kind of thrown in in the middle of a passage and we kind of got to fill in around it, and I'll, I'll do that. But you also might think it's a little bit strange of a passage for Father's Day. But we'll talk about that too. So I'd like to invite anyone, everyone who is able to please stand in honor of the reading of the word of the Lord. Beginning, First uh, Samuel 15, beginning at verse 34. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house in Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel and Saul did not see Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death. But Samuel grieved over Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have prepared myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him, trembling, and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked at Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees, not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadad and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then, he made, then Jesse made Shema pass by. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, well, There remains yet the youngest. But behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes. And he sent him and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. There ends the reading of the word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today, Lord. I ask that you would be with my mouth and my mind. Give me the right words to speak. Give them to be the words that you need. And, and open our hearts and minds and ears to, to hear from you and be sensitive to your spirit and what you might be saying to us through this passage, Lord. And we just thank you for for this the Bible that you've passed down to us in this passage that we can continue to learn from even today, Lord. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 
You may be seated. Now, originally I had planned on, I'd known about I was going to preach for a while, and I was originally going to come out of Acts chapter 2, but pastor did that a few weeks ago, so I thought it's a little too soon to be coming out of that same chapter. So I decided, well, we like to go through the lectionary, and so I looked at the what the lectionary readings were for today, and I was kind of reading them, and as soon as I read this passage in Samuel, I realized, oh, I love this passage, this is one of the one of my favorite stories. And it's an interesting Father's Day sermon because in this story we have a lot of, we look at fathers who failed. And this was kind of set up for us by fathers. But the first thing I want to do is we're going to talk about what's the difference between a father and a dad or is there a difference? What was that? There it goes. Wrong button. Okay. There we go. So fathers... For me, a father is just involved in making the child, and that's, that's the end of where a father are. But a dad, dads become involved, and they invest in the lives of their children. They love on their children, and they're for them. And so, everybody has a father, but not everybody has a dad. For me, personally, I had a dad. And my dad and I, we have a little bit, kind of a different relationship from most father and son. I mean, we are really close. I'm closer to my dad than I am to anyone else in the world. But we didn't have, you know, we didn't have times, a lot of fathers, they go out and they spend lots of time with their kids, you know, doing just one certain activity, you know, away from home or out, you know, they're out in the woods doing something together. Or they're, they go on these big trips and they leave and they go together. That wasn't what me and my dad did. You know, it, it was always for me, I always have loved sports and I've always played sports. So that's what me and my dad did together. We'd go out and we'd go out in the yard and my dad, he'd come out there and he'd hit ground balls to me for hours when we were playing baseball together, and, and then he'd catch for me when I pitched. In fact, one time I broke his glove and the ball hit him in the face. We were done that night, but um, the few days later we went out and actually got him a real catcher's glove, and I haven't broke that one. So, But that was how we spent time together. We built this great relationship, and, and that was how we did it. We were just doing sports and just doing life together, and he invested in me and taught me everything. And he also did a lot for me through church, and he set the example. You know, he, he would come and we would do stuff at church on Saturdays, or, or even during the week. Sometimes, if we had to, we'd come and you know work on different things, whatever needed to be done. But he also taught me a lot about work. Every piece of knowledge I had, my dad laid that foundation. He was teaching me from a young age. Okay, this is a certain tool. This is how you use it. And once once you start to figure out, now I took that and I ran with it, and I took it a little farther. And, and a lot of the stuff that I know, my dad's like, oh wow, I didn't know that, but. My dad can still do a lot more than I can. But our father, our story was really, it was set up by fathers and because of fathers. And it was fathers who failed. And now, the first one we're going to talk about is Samuel. Now, to me, Samuel, he is, he is one of Israel's greatest judges. And he's probably, to me, he's Israel's greatest pre-king leader. I mean, he is... He's just awesome. He's this pivotal character in the Bible because he's the end of an era and he begins the next era. He's the last judge and he anoints the first king. And Samuel's just just always fascinating me by his life. You know, God called Samuel from a, a very young age and he became the spiritual leader and he was that all his life. I mean, God literally, he spoke out to Samuel. He called to him, Samuel, Samuel. And, you know, Samuel was a young kid. He got up and ran around the temple looking, you know, who called me? And he kills Eli the priest and says, you called me. It took three times for him to figure out that it was God that was speaking to him. And God told Samuel, he said, I'm, I'm calling you. And Samuel became this leader. And he was, he was a prophet and he was their spiritual leader. For a long time, he was their civil and military leader during this, during his life. But he anointed the first king. But the problem with Samuel 
was he got so wrapped up in God's mission in the world that he forgot about God's mission at home. His sons, if you kept, if you read back a few chapters, his sons, they didn't follow Samuel's way. Samuel was his perfect, unblemished leader. He was one of the only ones. But he failed with his sons because they, they took bribes. They perverted justice is what the Bible said. They didn't, they didn't walk in the ways of Samuel. They didn't, they didn't follow their father's example. And so Samuel, he, he would go on a circuit and he would judge Israel. But it seems like he wasn't at home enough to communicate with his sons the way they needed to walk with God. But the people asked for a king because of what Samuel's sons did. So that sets up kind of the next section. And, and Samuel's like, you don't, you don't want a king. God's supposed to be your king. And their people are like, no, we want a king. And Samuel's like, oh, I'll go pray to God. And so he does. And God says, all right, you need just do what the people say. They haven't rejected you. They've rejected me. Samuel goes back to the people and says, okay, do you still want a king? And people said yes. He's like, I don't think so. Here's what a king's going to do. He's going to take the best of your sons, the best of your daughters, the best of all your animals, and he's going to get 10% of, of everything else, all your income. And the people are like, yep, that's fine with us. Go ahead. We want a king because we want to be like all the other nations. Samuel's like, ugh, fine. And then he does. He anoints the first king. And what happens was, is it's so interesting. You know, most of the time when somebody, when there's a, this great leader, they're going to declare and they're going to put before the people. There's this huge party. But that wasn't the way it was. Saul who is our next king, who is the first king, he comes into office and he comes in very quietly. He's, he's anointed. He's told by Samuel, okay, you're going to be the king and he's anointed. But it's very quiet. It's just Samuel and Saul who do it. And then when they go to pick the king, Samuel, Saul is hiding from Samuel. And so they have to seek him out. So Saul just quietly comes into office. And, and even when they do that, he just every time it is, it's, okay, we're going to have a king, go home. Okay, here's your king, go home. And there wasn't no, there was no big party. There was no just moment that he became king up until there was this little remote village up in, I think it was northwest Israel, and they were being overrun by the enemy. And this is where Saul, he became their civil and military leader, but he's never supposed to be their spiritual leader. But he stepped up at this point. He gathered all the people of Jerusalem, or all the people of Israel, and he went out and he fought for this little, just tiny remote village. I mean, it's some hick town in the northwest. Nobody, nobody cared about it. But Saul did because the Spirit of God was on him. And he gets a bad rap. But he kind of deserves it. But at, at the beginning, Saul was a good king. I mean, he started out well. He was in the Spirit of the Lord. He did what God asked. But what happens was, is at some point, he, he, um, he tried to take the spiritual leadership position, which he was never meant to have. That was always supposed to be for Samuel and the priest. And he did. He, tried, he offered a sacrifice right before a battle because he was waiting for Samuel but Samuel hadn't showed up, but you know, it was the seventh day. He's like, I got a sacrifice to God, so he just went ahead and did it. And he broke that covenant, and that was his first problem. So God started, he said, Nope, that's not what I want you to do. That's not what you're meant to do. I'm going to start seeking out a new king, somebody after my own heart. And that's what he did. And so the next time when Saul completely lost it, is God gave him a second chance. He was supposed to go, and he was completely, supposed to completely wipe out this group of people. They were the people, uh, the Amalekites. He was to kill everyone, man, woman, child, and all the animals. Everything was to be completely destroyed. But Saul didn't follow through. He didn't do that. He destroyed all the, all the people, but he left the very best of the animals. He didn't follow through with everything God ordered him to do. And so that led to Saul losing the kingdom. Samuel, in fact, the story tells us Samuel, he tur- told Saul that. He turned to leave. Saul caught his robe, and it ripped. He ripped off a piece. And Samuel turns back and he says, Just as you have ripped that piece of cloth off my robe, so God has ripped the kingdom from your hand. And Saul was, Saul was so 
upset because he wanted Samuel. He was, he was very concerned with his position that he had and how he looked before the people because the spiritual leader had just left him and took the kingdom with him, took the kingdom away from Saul. And so that was what Saul did, is he got so wrapped up in this power, this position that he had, and how he'd look in this position, that he, tried, he even used and abused his children to keep that position. I mean, if you know the story of Saul well, you know that he has, has two children that he uses. And the one is Jonathan, the other is he has a daughter named Michael. Jonathan is a, is, was one of David's best friends. I mean, they were like this. I mean, they were tight. They were closer than any pair of brothers ever. They, were, they weren't brothers, but they were closer than any brothers you can imagine. I mean, they were best friends. And Saul tries to use his friendship with Jonathan to try and figure out David and tries to manipulate Jonathan into, he's telling him, you know, you know, David's going to take the kingdom away from you. You know, you can't do that. You know, what are you, what are you going to do? David's going to kill you. And Jonathan's like, no, he's not. He's a good man. And Jonathan knew what was going to happen. You know, he, he kind of saw, you know, God took the kingdom from Saul. He's going to give it to, to David because he knew David and he knew him well. Jonathan is almost even at one point killed by Saul because Saul tries to avenge himself. He says, I need to avenge myself on my enemies. He made a vow that nobody could eat, but Jonathan did. And that caused, that caused a problem. They didn't hear from God. And so he almost had Jonathan put to death because he promised that whoever, whoever broke it is the one who will die, even if it's my son. And that's what happened. But the people stepped up and said, no, you can't do it because it's by Jonathan that we have been saved. But, but his daughter, Michael, was given to David in marriage. And Saul, he tried to use her to manipulate David. Now, I'm not really sure how that, that would even be possible if she could do it, but she did. It was, it was a sexual, he tried to do it with a sexual temptation because he gave her specifically to David. He says, I need to make sure David's somewhat in my control. But what he didn't realize is that Michael loved David more than she loved her father. And so, even though he tried to, he failed at that. But he was so wrapped up in that position that he could not give it up. And so, the final father we're going to talk about is Jesse. Now, Jesse's kind of the one we know the least about from the Bible. I mean, he is, he's just kind of, just briefly mentioned, he's the father of David, and he's kind of descended out of this certain, this certain line, which will come important later in the Bible. But, from reading the text, you can kind of gather that Jesse was a well-known, well-known guy. I mean, you know, God didn't, Samuel didn't, don't read that Samuel had to go there and he was asking, you know, do you guys know Jesse? Does anybody know Jesse? I mean, he must have known who Jesse was. He must have had interactions. And that would mean that, that Jesse was an important individual in this town or in, in that area. And even if you continued, were, were to continue reading in the next, next chapter, that Jesse's known in this by the servants of Saul, by people who served in the court of Saul, the king. Jesse's known to them because they knew him well enough to know that his son David could play the instruments. And that's how he got brought into Saul's court. But Jesse, he was well known. Oop, wrong button again. There we go. He was a well known man. But he was also, he had a, it was probably because he had a strong family. I mean, in this period of time, it was extremely important. For the Israelites to have males, not well, all people back then, but even especially the Israelites, because that was how you carried out your family line. But they also had had a way of restoring your inheritance, and you had to do it through your male children, because they'd have every seven days is a Sabbath, every seventh year is a Sabbath year, and every seven Sabbath years was called the year of jubilee, and that was where every all the debts got canceled, everybody got their land back, and so it was very important to have that. Now, as far as most scholars know, that that never happened. But it was always important to have that in case it did happen. And so, Jesse, he had a strong family and he was well known. But what happened was, he set David aside. He said, you know what? 
you're not my favorite son. You know, I don't like you. He was the baby. I mean, he was the youngest son. But Jesse's like, no, he's not good enough. He's not as good as my other son. So he cast him aside. Now, there's a lot of debate about maybe why did that happen? You know, some people think, well, maybe he was the son of a concubine and he, you know, he wasn't really a true son. Other, you know, I was reading it and I kind of came up with, when you read the word ruddy, it means like reddish. So maybe he thought David might not have been his actual son because he was different from all the others. He's like, oh, that, he's got kind of reddish hair. Maybe he's not really my son. I wonder what my wife was doing that one Saturday night about nine months, <laughs> when he was born. And what about she doing about nine months ago? I don't know. But, you know, they don't really know, but he was, he was always setting David aside is, and that was what his position was. Keeping the sheep was the lowest position. So he didn't, he didn't really like David. And, and that was what he did. He, he decided that his one child wasn't as important as all the others. He wasn't as good. But what happens is, is that was the person that God chose. God chose the least and the last. You know, he didn't, he didn't go to the oldest, the tallest, because that was what Saul was. He was a head taller than everybody else. So that's why Samuel, when he saw the oldest, he said, surely he must be the one. But God said no. And so he looked at the youngest. You know, he, the Bible does say he was, he was bright eyed and he was handsome. And some of that could be because of his relationship with God. He was a man after God's own heart. But still, Jesse, he, he was like, he's not good enough. He's going to keep the sheep because that's what you gave to the lowest son or lowest servant. That was not something that was important. And so that's what, that's what Jesse did. That's how he, he just cast David. He's like, he's not good enough to be called my son. But what happens was, is we, when at the end of, you know, every message, you got to think about, well, how do you respond to something like this? Well, it comes down to God. He's the last father that's mentioned in the story. But God's so important because he is the ultimate father. All these fathers failed. All earthly fathers will fail at some point in their life. It doesn't matter. You know, you could be a great father, great dad, but at some point all human fathers fail. God is the ultimate father. He doesn't fail. He will, he will never get so caught up in his mission somewhere else that he can't take time to be a personal God to you. He can't take, he won't, it's not, he will always take time to interact with every single person because you are so important to him. He's always involved in that, but he's also always involved personally. He wants to be personally involved in your life. But he's also not going to get so wrapped up in his power and position as God that he's going to try to use or abuse you. He's only going to, he's only going to use you if you want him to. He's only, he will, he will use you if you let him, but he's not going to force himself upon you. Because he's God. He doesn't, have, he doesn't have to worry about his position. But he's also, he's not ever going to cast you aside. He's not ever going to say, you're not good enough to me. In fact, those are the people that God walks up to. He says, I love you all the more. You're the person I came for. Just because somebody didn't like you, I love you just, as, just so much more than just everyone else. He just goes to each individual, even though they were set aside. And so what does he want you to do? Is He wants you to join his eternal family. I mean, there's, you know, you have your earthly family, but there's also the heavenly family that we're a part of, the body of Christ. I mean, we're all involved in, in the family of God and in the work of God. And he wants you to join that. You can share an equal, an equal inheritance, is what the Bible tells us, is Jesus. I mean, we walk as sons and daughters of God, and that's what God wants. And he doesn't want to just become your father. He wants to become your dad. He wants to start investing in you and start building you up and growing in a closer relationship with you. And we, as people, we can walk with God the same way David did, a man after God's own heart, and the same way Jesus did, is, is we can have that same relationship if we want it. God's not going to make you. God could, but that wouldn't be the, that's not God's character because God is a God of love. And love is a choice. It's not, it's not an emotion. Love is a choice. 
And so that's what we're gonna that's kind of our response. And that was supposed to go black, not do that. Can you shut that off, Ian? <laughs> um, so that's how we're gonna respond today. That's what we're gonna look at. Maybe maybe some of you were our fathers got so wrapped up in the mission of God in the world that they forgot you at home and so that caused a rift between you and your father or mother even it doesn't matter or maybe your dad got so wrapped up in this certain power and position that he had that he tried to use and abuse you and that could cause a rift and or maybe you were the last one which I think more people will fall into this category is your dad set you aside he said you're not as good as my other children you're not good enough you know for me but that's not the God is God is a God of healing and a God of restoration. He wants to heal that wound that was left, and He wants to restore that relationship if it's possible. But also, He wants you to join His family. If you're not a member of God's family, He wants you. He invites you constantly. He wants you to come in and say, "You know what, God? I've sinned. I want you to become my heavenly Father." Or maybe, maybe God is your heavenly Father already. You're already part of that that group. You've already accepted Jesus. But there's one step further. God doesn't want to just be your father. He wants to become your dad. He wants to invest in you and teach you and build you into this right relationship with him. And he wants to take you one step farther and continue to grow you and teach you and say, this is how I want you to live. This is how I want you to do things. And that's what God is and that's what God does. And and that's how we walk just like Jesus did and just like David did. A man after God's own heart. Now, if you know the story of David well, you know that David wasn't perfect. And none of us are. Jesus was the only one who was perfect. But, we, but every time David screwed up, he came to God and said, God, forgive me. And that's the same thing God wants us, us to do every time. So, Kimber, if you could come play something softly on the piano for just a few minutes. And if anybody feels that they, they need to come and pray, or maybe you can respond. And you feel that God wants asking you just to respond in your seat. We can do that. We'll just we'll just wait for a moment. Maybe you need to seek the healing and restoring power of God because of that relationship you had with your parents. Or maybe maybe you want to say, God, I want you to become my father. Just just like you became a father to David, who whose earthly father set him aside, I want you to become my father. Or maybe you want to take your relationship with God from being just having him as your father and just saying, yep, I know I'm forgiven, to having him become your dad and start having him invest in you and start learning more about him every day and growing closer to God and growing in the grace of mercy of God. So we'll just, we'll just wait for a few minutes. If you feel you need to respond, you can respond in any way. Sometimes, sometimes it's good to come forward. Sometimes you just need to stay in your seat and just pray. But we'll just wait a few minutes. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today, Lord. We thank you for... Our fathers, we're very grateful for them, and we we are so grateful for you, God, that you are you are the Father who who can never fail us, who will, who will always draw us closer to Him, and who always wants us to bring us closer to Him if we want, Lord. And we just we just ask that you would help us to remember that that you can heal and restore any relate, ruined relationship we may have with with any father figure that we may have that we have, or just. We thank you that you can heal and restore any relationship that we have with other people because of because of failures as humans, Lord. We just we ask that you would continue to help us and teach us to grow closer to you through it all, Lord. And we just ask that you would help us remember that you want to be not just our father, but you want to be our dad. Help us to cry out to you, Abba, Father, a very intimate term like Daddy. We thank you that we can do that. And we thank you that you continually look to invest in us and continue to build us up and 
to call us into closer relationship with you. And I ask that you would do that for each and every person here today. Lord, and we thank you for the stories that you have given to us in Samuel today, Lord. And help us to continue to learn from it and help us to continue to grow from it. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you'll stand for the final blessing. May you now go in the peace knowing that God continually invites you into his family. He doesn't want to just be your father. He wants to be your dad. Continue. May God continue to invest in you and continue to bless you. Now, go in his peace. Remember that you need to shine God's light in the world. Amen.